1: Say yes before you know how. I think women wait till they're ready. They wait till they know how. They wait till they have enough education, experience, proof, permission slips to to do something. I'm like, I didn't know how to speak. You know how I learned how to speak? By speaking. So say yes.
0: Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. What's really holding you back in business? Do you ever feel like you maybe got the systems or your client base is there? You're ready to invest your time, but then a mental roadblock or fear pops in? Your self-limiting beliefs creep in and you're stalled before you even start. When fear and self-doubt threatens your dreams, you not only feel it, but other people, they can sense it. Showing up confidently is the key to communicating your message and getting others to share in it. But that's sometimes easier said than done and easier in concept than actual execution. I called in the leader of Business Boutique and Ramsey personality, Christy Wright, for this episode because she has a pure gift for helping women change your mindset in their businesses to allow for growth or heck, even just giving yourself permission to finally start. This is a conversation for anyone wanting to retool their mindset, to show up confidently in the world and to tell fear to take a hike so that you can start right now. Sound like you? keep listening. Here she is, Christy Wright. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Gold Digger. Take the next step in your creative journey with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on topics including illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, and more. Get two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Gold Digger. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person fast. Find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. Get $50 off your first job post at linkedin.com slash Digger. Okay, Christy, I feel like a lot of times, you know how you have your like dream list of guests and it's like this vision board that no one sees. You have been on mine for so (laughs) long because there are not very many women up at the top of the charts on those iTunes things. And so every time I see your picture, I do a little fist pump and I'm like, girl, (laughs) yeah, welcome to the show.
1: Well, ditto. I love it because I feel like with social media, it makes me feel like we're already best friends, even Uh. though this is our first time actually talking. And so I'm so excited about this.
0: Oh, my goodness. OK, so I know your story, but for those who don't know it, kind of walk me through who is Christy Wright and how did you get to where you are today? Well, it's so fun
1: because I think that whenever I, I look back at my life and and certainly some of those, you know, pivoting moments, there's pieces of my story that I thought at the time, Jenna, were just Completely wasted. You know, like it was a coincidence or it was just in vain or it was just a really hard season. And it's amazing how now, in hindsight, there were elements of my story that play into what I'm doing today that I could have never known at the time. So, for example, when I was little, my mom started a little business to raise and support me. She was a single mom. Her and my dad split when I was six months old, and that was not a part of the plan. And she had $64 to her name. And she kind of went into survival mode and tried to figure out how she's going to make a life for her and this baby. And so she went back to something she had always known and loved since she was 16 years old, which was decorating cakes. And she got this idea to start a little cake shop in the front showcase window of a candy store in downtown Nashville. And it was called Candyland and, and it wasn't being used. It was just a showcase. And so she got real scrappy and, and mustered up the confidence to go inside. And, and she talked to the store owner and she said, I want to start a little bakery in this front showcase window. It's not being used. It'll be eye-catching. You know, when people come by, they see me decorating cakes. It'll bring people into your store. And, and so he went for it. And it wasn't long before there was a line around the block But it wasn't for this man's candy. It was for my mom's cakes. And that first day of $64 that she had to her name, that she invested in some supplies to make those cupcakes, she made $64 more and then started earning a profit from there. And it's crazy because now, 36 years later mom is still in business and she's gone through 14 location changes, tons of employees, thousands of customers, hundreds of thousands of cakes. But that whole experience was the backdrop to my childhood. And so anyone listening right now that has a single mom or is a single mom, you know, you're just doing the best you can to make it. And so that meant that mom took me to the cake shop all the time. I spent more time in the cake shop with her employees than I did at home with my friends. And so she would pull me out of bed at two and three in the morning, you know, to go down to the bakery to bake the cakes for the day. And, and what she would do, Jenna, she would get like these big comforters from the 80s, you know, that had all the nice. geometric shapes. And <laughs> she would pile them up on, she had pallets of 50 pound bags of powdered sugar and flour. And she would put those comforters on them and make me a little bed. And I would go back to sleep until it was time to go to school. And then she would take me to school and I had the smell of flour and sugar in my hair. And, you know, I mean, I just, that was the backdrop to my childhood, but why that's significant now is because that model for me of seeing a woman surviving, seeing a woman make it, seeing a woman make the most with the cards she was dealt absolutely shaped me into every part of who I am today. So I never grew up wondering if I could do this or that, it was just which thing I was going to do. So I've had this, this zest for life, this aggressiveness of I can make anything happen. And it wasn't because I had a perfect childhood where I went to a private school and I lived in a bubble and everything was provided for me. It was because I was in the struggle with my mom and every struggle we overcame together. And that showed me that anything life threw at me, I could handle it. Where there is a will, there's a way. And so that was so shaping for me as a young woman, as a child, as a teenager working in her cake shop, doing deliveries downtown, seeing how she treated homeless people in the street, seeing how she treated her employees, seeing how she you know, helped out the mom that came in and dropped her cake immediately as she walked out because her hands were full with kids and my mom made her another cake and didn't charge her. All of this, mom didn't have to teach me these life principles. She lived them right in front of me. And that shaped who I am. And, and it's interesting because then as you fast forward... To later in life, you know, I, I went to school for business and then worked in nonprofit for a few years. And when I was feeling burned out and ready to switch jobs, I really prayed about that and, and felt God leading me to work here for Ramsey Solutions. And I, and I started as a project manager. So I was like doing kids piggy banks and books and Bible studies. And I mean, just project managing, nothing fancy. It was an entry level job. And it's crazy because that was in 2009. Well, in 2010, Dave's daughter, Rachel Cruz, was booked to speak at this conference all summer. And so she was just graduating college. She's a little younger than me. And she was going to come on board and kind of be the face of our youth and teens. And so they had signed her up for this conference. It was 20 dates all across the country in different cities, different small towns. And so somehow in this spring of 2010, I inherited the whole partnership arrangement. And right before she's supposed to go on the road, about two weeks before she's supposed to go out, we get the travel schedule from the conference. And the flights were the worst. Like they booked the cheapest flights possible. You had two and three connections per day. You were in an airport 18 hours a day. And so I had to take this travel schedule to Dave Ramsey about his daughter and say, hey, is this approved? (laughs) (laughs) And him and all of his wisdom was like, no, this, you know, she's newly graduated, newly married. No one should have to do this schedule. This is crazy. This is more than we agreed to. So you need to go back to them. Christy, who's 25 years old and been at the company three months, you need to go back to them and tell them that they can pick 10 of the dates but that's it. So Jenna, I'm a kind of, I don't know, fly by the seat of my pants kind of girl. I don't really plan (laughs) real far in in advance. So I hadn't thought through how this conversation was going to go. But I get on the phone with this guy and his name's Chase. And I'll never forget. I was like, I just got to deliver the bad news, you know? And so I said, yeah, I'm so sorry, Chase. You know, this is more than we agreed to. She can't do all 20, but she can do 10. Like, yay, she can do 10 and and you get to pick. And I remember he said to me, Christy, what am I going to do? I have her booked for 20 keynote presentations this summer, back to back to back in different cities. And it starts in two weeks. What am I gonna do about the other 10? And I said, well, I'll do them. (laughs) And he said, can you speak? I said, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Jenna, I'd never (laughs) spoken in my life. I'd never spoken in my life. I didn't ask permission. I didn't get approval. I did not do anything. (laughs) I just saw a problem and I solved it. And so I went on the road that summer with Rachel and I actually went to every city. I went to her cities with her and ran AV. I went to the other cities and did the talk myself and then met back up with her all summer long. And that fall, our company started something called the Speakers Group. Before that point, it had just been Dave Ramsey, the man and the brand and the CEO. And they said, you know, we need more speakers. And they started the Speakers Group and just slid me in there. No audition, no application, no interviews. like, well, she did a good job. Let's let her keep doing it. And that was 10 years ago. And I have been speaking ever since. And that's evolved into, you know, the business boutique brand and my passion for helping women with businesses, which, of course, ties back to my mom and those early days of seeing the power of a woman stepping into her gifts to make an impact. And so that's what I mean by God can weave parts of your story together that you think had no purpose at the time. And it's amazing how they come back into play in ways you never could have imagined. But there's also just a really good life principle there is I tell people all the time, say yes before you know how. I think women wait till they're ready. They wait till they know how. They wait till they have enough education, experience, proof, permission slips to do something. I'm like, I didn't know how to speak. You know how I learned how to speak? By speaking. By speaking. So say yes. Say yes to an opportunity before you know how to do it. And that's how you'll learn how to do it. So it's just funny how now you're seeing all those pieces come into play with what I'm doing today, but you would have never known it at the time in those early days.
0: Wow. That is such an origin story. (laughs) What did Dave say when you were like, so here's the thing. Okay. So we got Rachel set, but I'm going to be doing the other 10. What happened?
1: I think honestly, so our company now is almost a thousand people. Back then it was about 250. And I honestly think some of the leaders didn't know what to do with me because I just like I was this young, feisty girl that just had so much nerve, like the nerve that I have to just like ask for things. And I don't mean ego, Jenna. I don't mean like I'm bossing people around, but I, I love the quote. And I think it's Nora Roberts that said it. Maybe it was Oprah. I don't know. But you get in life what you have the courage to ask for. And I was like, I'm just solving a problem here. Like, I'm going to always be the girl that asks for forgiveness, not permission. And I'm going to assume that I can do something until someone proves me otherwise or or tells me there's some rule while I can't. And so I think they were just so taken aback. They're like, oh, okay. well, (laughs) well, okay. I guess she is going to do this. Well, I guess this solves our problem. This is great. Go on then, Christy, go on all these flights.
0: Oh, I love that so much. And I think I agree with you so much in that we're so often waiting, like we're waiting to hit publish. We're waiting to start the LLC. We're waiting to lose pounds. I mean, there are so many things in one thing that I want to talk to you about, because I think you are just a champion of women just starting, like simply starting, is why do you think that we are our biggest critics? Like You are so incredible at breaking down so many of the mindset blocks that women have. And so what has been like the thing that you see, the trend, where it comes to that limiting mindset that we're just holding ourselves back? Yeah, I think
1: it's twofold because part of it is, you need inspiration. Like you need to get fired up. You need people to speak into your life. You need to listen to podcasts like this and have people coach you and, and speak life over you to help you believe even if you might be wavering in your own belief. But you also need more information. It's not just get yourself fired up. You need more information that gives you that confidence. I didn't know how to do this. And now I do. And, and one of the things that's helped me, even in this idea of mindset, and overcoming fear is understanding fear. Because, you know, for me, Jenna, I used to think that fear was a bad sign. Like, oh, this is a red flag. If I was supposed to do it, then I wouldn't be scared. So I definitely shouldn't do it. This is, you know, this is a a sign I should turn back. And what I've realized is that fear is a normal part of the journey. Fear is simply because you've never done it before. Of course, you're scared. It's new. It's different. It's risky, but it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's new and different. And so one of the things that was fascinating to me, when I did some research on this, is understanding that research shows as early as childhood, girls are more fearful than boys. They're more risk-averse. And so you see this, and uh, this is a silly example, but research shows that little girls, I mean, I'm talking the age of like four, five, and six here, they break sooner when riding their bicycle. They react more negatively to pain than boys do, and they never want to make the same mistake twice. Little boys, on the other hand, research shows, are slower to learn from calamities. Can I get an amen from the boy moms out there? (laughs) And they tend to attribute any problems to an outside source. Couldn't have been me. Couldn't have been me. No, 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 no. It was the bike. The bike was the problem. There was a rock in the road. It, It wasn't me. And so while this is silly and true, think of the implications of this as grown men and women. And you see some tendencies in our approach to business and life where often, I'm not going to say always, there are exceptions, but often women tend to carry those traits. We never want to make the same mistake twice. Well, if you're in business and you don't want to fail, then you're not going to succeed in business because one mess up is going to take you out. Or you react more negatively to pain. Someone doesn't like you on Facebook. Well, that can just crush your spirit. I remember, Jenna, I had a speaking event And it was in that first year of me being a speaker. So I'm not a seasoned speaker. I still feel like an imposter. I'm like, how did I even wiggle my way into this position? And I went to a, I was speaking at MBA school. So I was speaking to people that had higher education than me. They were making more money than me. I was intimidated by them in every way. It was all men in the audience. And this guy asked me a question in the middle of my presentation that just threw me off. And I knew the answer the moment that I left, but it was a financial question. And I was so taken aback. I stuttered. I lost my confidence and I just bombed. I could not get them back after that. I lost every bit of belief in myself and I literally wanted to disappear. I cried the entire rental car drive home back to Nashville for six hours. And here's what I told myself. Never again. Never again. I am never doing that again. I'm never speaking again. I'm never putting myself out there. I never want to feel like that. I never want to feel that pain, that embarrassment. Now, thankfully, I did. I did walk back on a stage and I didn't let that define me. But there's that little girl in there going, I never want to make the same mistake twice. And if we understand that fear is a normal part of the journey, then we can overcome it. But if we believe that it's some sign that we are flawed, we are not cut out for this, we're not ready, we're not experienced enough, then we will stay... In the spot that we're in, I have a friend that said one time, fear will establish the limits of your life. If you're scared of heights, you'll stay low. If you're scared of outside, you'll stay inside. If you're scared of people, you'll stay alone. And so if you can understand fear, you really can push past it and expand your life. Those limits are expanded and you can push through those limitations when you understand that it's not a sign you're doing something bad. It's a sign you're doing something bold. And that is a good thing.
0: Ooh. Ooh, that was like a mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) I love talking about this because it's so important. Well, and when you were saying that, I thought back to myself sitting in my nine to five job and I was so afraid. I was so afraid. And I was mostly afraid of what people would think, uh, which is something we all feel. But I started asking myself the question, what then? So let's say I start my own business and it fails. What then? Okay, I'll just update my resume and get back in the job market. What then? I'll take on interviews. I have experience. And it almost like lets fear loosen its grip on you when you start to realize like, I am smart enough to have an action plan. To figure this out. Like everything is figure outable, like Marie Forleo right. says. Like we are brilliant women and we can figure out what's next. When have we never not done that? And so, <laughs> It's like, why do we give fear such a tight hold on our hearts and our dreams and what we choose to do with our days that are so limited?
1: I love how you said that about we know how to do this because I just, I put this on Instagram recently, but I was out on a hike with my boys and my, my baby girl and I didn't have a hat and it was really cold, you know, for her ears. So I took a burp cloth and just wrapped it over her head and tucked it in the sides of the baby carrier on my chest. And I put this picture on Instagram and I was like, do you know what you do when you don't have something you need as a mom? you improvise. Like a burp cloth becomes a hat and Aquaphor becomes your lipstick and you just roll with it. Like you don't throw in the towel and say, I'm not cut out to be a mom. I guess I just, I guess I just, I guess I'll never make it. See, I knew I wasn't made to be a mom. No, you just improvise. You just figure something else out. But why don't we do that in business? It's amazing. One, one sidestep in business we're like oh see see I was never cut I knew I told you I knew I could never do this I'm like no you have these skills women you have these skills to improvise and be resourceful and scrappy and figure it out you can apply those skills to business you already know how to do this especially if you have kids you're doing this every day just transfer those skills to business because I promise you it works there as well you don't have to throw in the towel you can figure it out Mm,
0: so good okay one thing that I love about you is that you don't shy away about talking about money and numbers and all these things that women are taught to just be quiet about and be meek about. And when I think about starting your business, I think that's one of the hardest times where you have to be resourceful because you likely don't have resources. So what do you think is the number one mistake that people make financially when they're starting their business and just starting out?
1: Well, I'll tell you in my world, you know, we talked about this before, but I think my sweet spot is helping people get started. So I think in my world of kind of the starters, the biggest mistake is not treating it like a business. They treat it like a hobby. They're like, I'm not making any money and I haven't made any money in my business for, you know, two years. I'm like, sis, you don't have a business. You got a hobby. A business makes you money. A hobby costs you money. And so if you want this to be a business, it means you treat it like a business. It means you're trying to get your revenues up and your expenses down. But because we you know, feel kind of insecure about it and we're like, well, I don't really know if I'm cut out for this. I'm just gonna test the waters. That's fine if you baby step your way into business. I love that. I love helping people do that. But then they go out and they're like, well, I need a new computer and I need some new desk accessories from Target. And I'm like, this is like me senior year of college when I needed interview clothes and a briefcase because I, I was gonna get a real job. I'm like, no, I had perfectly fine clothes. I wanted to justify that I was doing this thing. And often we do this, we go buy stuff to show that we're doing it. We get our succulent and our laptop and our coffee mug and we're like, "Listen, that doesn't make a business. Money does. Money makes a business." And so I just help people figure out how to treat it like a business, which means often, especially for for people starting out, it means figuring out what a valuable a accurate price is for your product or service. And there's some, there's some variables there. It's going to be a range. It's not a perfect science, but there's often you are not charging enough. 90% of the time, the women I work with are not charging enough. And then it also means getting your expenses down, being smart about the time you're spending, the money you're spending, so that you can actually have a profit. And that profit is a reflection of how your business is doing. And so help them understand taking the emotions out of it and treating this thing like a business. So you can actually stay in business.
0: Yes. When you said that, one word that just stood out to me and it always does is time. And I feel as women, we have no idea what an hour of our time is worth. And so when you talk about the difference between a hobby and a business, so many people are doing this thing and they're like, well, it's not costing me money, but they don't realize that it is costing them time. So what do you say to women that don't know what an hour of their time is worth? Because nowadays, I am literally outsourcing anything in my entire life that I possibly can, because I know what an hour is worth for me. And I know whether that's an hour, I'm spent reading Conley, a nighttime book or an hour I'm spending working. I know what that's worth to me, but I feel like women, we undervalue our time so significantly that we are willing to just waste our time. And we don't look at that as a loss.
1: Absolutely. And it's amazing too, because they may calculate the time of like, okay, here's how much time it takes me to, to deliver the actual service. So I'm a fitness coach. It takes one hour to meet with the client. Okay, what time does it take for you to prepare that session? What time does it take to put your notes together that you're going to email them later after the session? You have to consider, all the time that goes into serving that one client. And that's how you come up with the amount of time that actually goes into something. But you know, Jenna, this goes back to what we were just talking about. It goes back to believing in yourself and the value of what you have to offer. Because if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. If you don't believe in your business, no one else will. If you don't believe in your worth, no one else will. I help women with this, even at the Business Boutique event, I'll go through some kind of some role play. Because what I see is, it's even in how we talk about our business. It's even in how we talk about our price. You know, I use the silly example, but let's say there's a woman running a business and she's running a bakery and she makes pies. And and someone says, oh, like, that's so great that you make pies. How much is your pie? And she's like, well... And she kind of hunches back, you know, she gets small and her shoulders shrink. She's like, well, they're $25. But you know, if you can't pay that 20 is fine. Or you know, you know what? You don't even have to, you know, how about just a hug? You just, how about just a hug? Like, if we just, you can make me dinner, we'll get coffee. Women, you are talking yourself out of sales because you teach people how to treat you. You teach people your value, your worth, and what to expect from you. And they are looking at you thinking, oh my gosh, if she didn't believe in her business, she knows more about it than I do. So maybe she knows something I don't, maybe it's not worth $25. Maybe I shouldn't buy from her at all. There's something wrong with this pie. So I just try to help them understand that even if you're faking it at first, even I tell people, you don't have to fake it till you make it fake it till you feel it because you may not feel confident the first time you tell someone your price. But over time, confidence is a muscle. The more you exercise that muscle, the stronger it becomes and that confidence becomes authentic. But at first, maybe you're faking it a little bit and you hold your head high and you smile even if you're nervous and your heart is racing and you say, my pie is $25. I would love to take your order. Does next week work for you? And you just fake it until you feel it. And over time, you really begin to believe in it. But it's amazing how we talk ourselves out of sales and we talk ourselves out of our worth and our price. And I just can't stress enough that it starts with you. Like Your customers are not gonna believe in you more than you do. They're looking to you to teach them your worth and what to expect from you. And so even if it means that you are getting coaching, mentoring, inspiration, information from other sources to build you up, to be able to take that to the marketplace, you got to get it from somewhere else because you're not going to get the validation from the market. They're looking to you to teach them what to expect.
0: Oh, so good when you said that I literally closed my eyes and remembered the first time I even breathed the words I am a photographer and it was in the dentist chair so it was more like ah, her yeah. <laughs> but I remember it probably because her hands were in my mouth that I couldn't say well I'm an executive team leader and I'm a photographer right. on this side but I remember like saying that and not adding some caveat or disclaimer and right. being like oh my gosh I just did it and I feel like for women like titles feel important? How many women have you heard where they say, well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom? Oh gosh, can Dang. we talk about the word just? We let's, just go. let's go, let's oh, go, here my. we go. This kills me because I meet women
1: out all the time and I'm like, oh, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm a fan or a podcast or whatever. And I'm like, oh, what's your business? i like, oh, I just have this little side business. Yep. It kills me because here's the thing. So often I think women, they really believe that they are using these words in a posture of humility. But this is not accurate. This is a posture of insecurity. And it kills me because when you downplay your business, your dreams, your skills, your strengths, like you're not just downplaying it and showing some type of humility. What you're doing is you're lying you're lying. Like God has given you these gifts and he has plans for your impact and you are diminishing what he wants to do through you. Your dreams are not little. God's plans for you are not little. You are not little. Your skills are not little. And so when we do this, we're not only lying to people, but we're completely taking away the opportunity for God to move through us in these people's lives. And it just, it really, it crushes me. But here's the other thing I see, Jenna, is we do it to each other. I've been out before where I remember I was at the grocery store one time and this woman walked up to me. She's like, oh, she's like, you have that business boutique thing. I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, I went to your little event one time. (laughs) And I was like... It ain't little. It's 3000 women. That doesn't feel little to me. (laughs) Like It killed me. And I just thought we've got to stop saying this word. This word is crushing each other and it's crushing our own sense of self-confidence and worth because the words that you speak about yourself and your business become self-fulfilling prophecies. It speaks it into the world and then we behave In accordance with what we have said and what we believe, we place labels and limitations on ourselves all the time, and then we live within them. But we're the ones that set them, and we've got to stop.
0: I prag about my team like crazy. No, really. When people ask me how I built this business, I say we built this business. And true story, the people who helped me build it and who helped me keep it going today, I found them on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job is seen by the people you want to hire, like people with the skills and qualifications and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn and why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering results and quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn jobs. Get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash gold digger. That's linkedin.com slash gold digger to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Here's something you'll hear me say over and over and over again this year. Self-education is the future. Whatever you need to learn, you can teach yourself with the help of online classes from Skillshare. It's an online learning community where millions come together to take the next step in their creative journey. Thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on topics including illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, and more. It's time to explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creative. What you find just might surprise and inspire you. Skillshare offers classes designed for real life so you can move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. You can learn and grow with short classes that fit your routine. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. One of my goals is to utilize video more in my business. So I'm peeking at a class called YouTube success, build an authentic Dig channel that's worth the follow taught by Samora Amore. Get two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com slash gold digger. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Get started and join today by heading to Skillshare.com slash gold digger. That's two months for free of unlimited access to thousands of classes at Skillshare.com slash gold digger. Christy, you are such a champion for confidence, and I think that truthfully, if we kind of peel back all of the layers between women staying stuck or never getting started, confidence is that missing piece. What can someone do if they're listening today and they're like, you're talking about me. This is me. You're literally <laughs> telling my life story and I just don't know if I can really do it. What would you say?
1: Okay, so this is my, my one-liner, my tweetable one-liner that I think really has helped me and will help women. It's so simple. The antidote to fear is action. So let me unpack that for a minute. This is a silly example, but I was at the playground a few years ago with my son, Carter. He's my oldest and he was about, I don't know, four years old at the time. And we were there playing and there was this other mom playing with her son. And he was maybe like six. He was a little older. And so we're just kind of playing independent. I noticed that her son climbed up on the monkey bars. Now, the monkey bars are way over the ground. They're way higher than he is. But he stretched his little gangly arms from the ladder to reach that first rung. And then he swung his little body to the second one. And then the third one. And then the fourth one. And then the fifth one. All the way to the end. And then he swung his body back, got some momentum, threw himself off, jumped, landed on the ground, threw his arms like an Olympian that has just gone for the gold. And his mom looked at him and she said, wow, I didn't know you could do that. And he said, I didn't either. And I thought, that's how you do it. You don't wait until you have a perfect plan, till you have permission, till you have proof that you can do the thing. You go do the thing, Jenna. That's how you know you can climb the monkey bars. You just try. That's how you know you can start the business. You just start it. That's how you know you can speak on a stage. You walk yourself out there for the first time. And so the antidote to fear is action. Nothing will silence your fear of doing the thing like doing the thing. So just go do the thing. I think people wait all the time until they're not scared to do something. I'm like, that's never going to happen. Don't wait until you're not scared to do the thing you want to do. Do it scared. Walk on the stage, even if you're shaking in your stilettos. Press live on Facebook Live, even if you're nervous as can be. Put yourself out there. And then what's amazing is after you've done it and you survived, because you will, fear can't torment you with the terrifying possibilities of what's going to happen if you do it, because you did it. And you survived. And if you did it once, you can do it again. And now, when I walk on stage, well, let's be honest, I don't walk on stage. I run on stage. (laughs) And I say, I'm so excited to be here. I mean it. That confidence is authentic after 10 years of doing this. You will build authentic confidence through repetitions, through experience, through doing it. But the confidence will not come first. You have to just walk out there scared and you have to commit and take action if you want to silence the fear. I love the, the quote. I think it was Seth Godin that said this. I'm terrible with quoting quotes, obviously. I know the quote, but don't know the person. I think it was Seth Godin. He said, if you wait until you have success to commit, you'll have neither. You have to commit before you're successful. You have to commit to this dream before you have experience. You have to commit to taking action before you have proof. And that's really what makes the difference in whether you're going to develop confidence or not. So it's just doing the thing scared and taking action on that thing. And through doing it, your fear lessens, your confidence grows. And over time, you look up and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a professional speaker. Oh my gosh, I'm running a business with team members oh my gosh, I'm doing this thing. But it all started with that tiny baby step. And that that first step of action doesn't have to be big. It could be a Google search. Let me see if this domain name is available. Let me talk to a friend that's a graphic designer. Let me just float the idea on Facebook and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Would anybody be interested? That first step can be such a baby step, but it's the first domino that's gonna knock over the second domino. And you gain confidence to knock over the third domino and take the fourth step. And it's one tiny baby step at a time that creates momentum that builds your confidence lessens your fear and you look up one day and you're actually doing it but it all starts with that first tiny baby step of action
0: i am picturing you running out on the stage (laughs) saying i'm so happy to be here and i want to know what you think would happen if you asked your audience this one question okay i'm ready So we've talked a lot about fear and failure, right? Right. What if you asked 3,000 women who here is afraid of success? Mm. What do you think would happen?
1: I think you would have. So from my call, when I do calls with people, research and coaching, that kind of thing, I have noticed that about half, roughly half. And I've noticed that there tend to be two kind of camps of women. There's the type A women that is like, you know, the overachiever, super driver. She's so busy and so overwhelmed and can't doesn't know how to slow down. But then there's the woman that like, she wants to get moving, but she's just kind of stalled out. You know, it's like these two extremes. And I think there's one of those types of women that she's afraid of success. Like, well, what if I'm, what if I get too big? Well, what if I can't handle it? What if it, you know, in that extreme scares her. But you know, what's interesting, Jenna, is I've noticed that fear comes at you from both angles. Like fear will hit you coming and going. So when I was creating the first business boutique event, this was in the fall of 2015. And we'd never done anything like it before. I was writing every piece of content for stage for this whole new thing, whole new brand, whole new market. They were trusting me with all this. So I was like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't screw this up. I had voices in my head, true story, leading up to the event. I had voices that said, no one's gonna come and they're all gonna leave disappointed. <laughs> I was yeah. like, how is that possible? Please tell me that no <laughs> one's coming. And they're all going to be disappointed. Like, that's what fear does. It hits you coming and going. It's like, you're not going to be successful. And when you are, you can't handle the success. Yes. And so it just keeps us stuck because it's all these terrifying possibilities of what ifs. And so I love that you asked that because that's a very real fear for some women. But again, it's one of those things where you don't know till you try. And then even once you become successful, which is a great problem to have, you get to control the dials. You get to control the clients. You get to control the growth. You are in the driver's seat of this business and your life. And so if you want to tone it down, you tone it down. If you want to raise your prices, you got demand flying out the roof, raise your prices, serve less people, make more money. You can control this thing because it's your business. You don't just have the right to, you have the responsibility to.
0: Yeah. I've never asked this question, and I think you are the perfect person to ask, but how has your relationship or your definition of success changed and evolved as you've grown as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, as an entrepreneur? What has that looked like in the different seasons of your life?
1: I love that question. And it's interesting because it has. It definitely has. You know, when I was in my early 20s, I was all about living my dreams. And as crazy as it sounds, my dream at that time was to live on a farm. And I did. And I had a horse boarding business and all the animals and fainting goats. And I did the farm thing, (laughs) which is another podcast for a different day. But that was something I'd always wanted to do. So I didn't have much of a life. You know, I didn't date, I didn't have friends, but like, that was success to me because I was getting to live out this dream at such an early age. And then in my mid-20s, you know, building my career, I worked all the time. And then now, certainly in motherhood, it just shifts your perspective. It just does because you have this new, very time-consuming priority (laughs) that you love so much. And so I think for me, it's not so much of seasons in terms of years. Like, oh, I'm in the season of my kids being little. That's true. But I think in smaller seasons than that. And so my priorities shift, Jenna, on a, you know, monthly, sometimes even weekly basis. And I think women or anybody really tends to think of priorities as fixed or their version of success as fixed. Like this is success and, and it's never going to change. And I love how you ask that because I think it does change depending on the season that you're in and your priorities will reflect that. So in the spring of 2017, my priority was getting my book out and I was on the road all the time and I didn't see my family much. But then that summer, I didn't work a lot. I hung out with my kids and went to the playground. And I think there's this ebb and flow to our lives that we are allowed to focus on different things at different time and, and figure out what our priorities are and what our version of success is. But now, I think for me, the hardest thing to do right now is not tap the brakes on the business side of things. I think I've gotten more comfortable as I've gotten older and gotten more perspective doing that. I'm not in such a hurry to, to have it all and have it all right now. But the hardest thing for me right now in motherhood is just being present. Just yeah, putting my yes. phone down, not being distracted, just soaking up those moments, even though they're hard and exhausting moments, realizing that there's going to be a day I wish I had these moments back. That's hard, you know, because it's it's exhausting in motherhood. You're like, people say it flies. I'm like, yes, and time stands still at times. <laughs> and so I think for me, just being present is one of the most difficult things. But if I can be present right now, that's success. As simple as that is, but I love how you asked that because I think it does change. And I think we have permission to to assess what our needs are and what our family's needs are and our business needs are in any given season of life of the year. You know, you're probably familiar with the book by Ronnie Ware, The Five Regrets of Dying. And she, this nurse that took care of people on their deathbed, she noticed themes and patterns in their regrets. And the number one regret of people on their deathbed was that they wished they had lived a life true to themselves not what everyone else expected of them. And the second top regret was they wish they hadn't worked so much. And so I think that, again, this, for me, so much of it goes back to confidence, but it takes confidence to live your life in a way that's different than other people, that your version of success is different than your neighbors and your friends and your parents and your in-laws. Like you parent like that, you manage your schedule like that. You have a home in Hawaii and you go there X amount of months a year like that. Like, It takes confidence to do things that other people aren't doing, to do things that are different than other people's version of success. But I think it's so important because I don't want to be one of those people that looks back at the end of my life and says, man, I wish I'd done what I wanted to do, what I felt was right for my family, for my version of success. I want to figure that out and do it now.
0: That's so beautiful. And I think it's such a good challenge for all of us. And I am so glad you said that thing about presence, because I feel like that is literally my biggest struggle right now, especially as a working mom, is I'm still thinking about work if I didn't wrap things up. And then I'm sitting there at the dinner table, still thinking about launching and strategies and this email and all these things. And it's like, no, 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 come back to me. Come back to right. me. And it's like, man, it it's not easy and it's 100% worth it. But it is just such an interesting season where you feel like you're just juggling all the things and trying to fit them all in and you can't compartmentalize anymore. It's just that integration piece that we all... So struggle with. So thank you for just saying that because I'm like, yes, she gets it.
1: (laughs) It's amazing because I feel like the mom guilt is very real. You know, I think that and I'm sure dads feel it too in, in maybe a different way. I love to dig into like my feelings and my thoughts and why do I feel this way? And I identified about a year or two ago that the source of my guilt, so much of it, Jenna, was always focusing on where I'm not. So if I was at work, I was thinking about my kids. Are they okay? Are they sick? Do they need me? Are they scared? Are they sad? Then I would go home I didn't get hit in my deadline. I didn't respond to that email. I've got to get that project out the door. So if you live your whole life looking through the rearview mirror, focusing on where you're not, then not only, of course, you feel guilty, not only do you feel guilty, but you miss the moment you're in. And so the most simple tactic that I started a couple of years ago when I realized this was I flipped my focus. And it sounds a little bit like compartmentalizing, but it really is just choosing to be where your feet are. So like right now, I'm on this awesome call with you. I have looked forward to this as soon as it got booked. I've been a fan of yours for years. I have learned so much from you. I'm here with you. I'm here and I'm in it. And I'm not thinking about my kids. When I go home... I'm not going to have my phone in my hand. I'm not going to think about this interview. I'm going to look them in the eyes. I'm going to get on the floor and wrestle with them. I'm going to play hide and seek. I'm going to be present with them. And so when you just flip the focus from the rearview mirror to looking through the front windshield of your life of like, I'm going to be where my feet are, you really do shake the guilt. But you also give people an incredible gift that is so rare these days, which is your undivided attention. And that simple flip is what helps me feel Like not only am I shaking the guilt, but it makes me feel balanced because I tell people all the time, life balance is not a 50-50 split. It's about being 100% present wherever you are. It's not about doing everything for an equal amount of time. It's about doing the right things at the right time. And if you're excited about your business and you're thinking about it all the time because you love it, you know, I tell women all the time, I'm like, that's a good thing that you love your work. Find a time to capture those ideas so that they don't weed into everything that you're doing at home in the same way. Don't let whatever's going on home always bleed into everything you're doing at work. Just try to be where your feet are. And I think you will find more fulfillment in those moments. You don't feel like you miss them.
0: I do a thing. I bet you do something similar called a brain dump, where if I am like if my wheels are turning, whether it's two in the morning or if I'm about to put Conley down to bed or whatever it is, and I'm still thinking about things, I will either write them all down or like put them in my Slack channel so I can come back to them. Because once I get them out of my head, I stop dwelling or thinking on them. But it's like, even if it's like a Sunday night and I'm like, okay, no, I shouldn't be working right now. I'm like, okay, if I just spend 10 minutes getting all of these thoughts out of my head so I'm not thinking, oh, I gotta remember this tomorrow, I gotta remember this tomorrow, then I can like take a deep breath. It feels so good. It's so true.
1: And actually research shows that our brain is wired that way. The book, Getting Things Done, he says, your brain is for having ideas, not holding ideas. Mm-hmm. And I love that. That's why we're stressed and it keeps us up at night is because it's trying to hold on to this thing that doesn't want to yeah. lose the moment you put it on paper, it's like, oh, the paper's got it. I'm good. I can move on. I love that.
0: That's so good. Okay, now I'm just going to really take that science home with me. <laughs> Christy, what are you excited about? It's a new decade. It's 2020. We're in that first quarter. Like what are you excited about for this year?
1: Yeah, so it's fun. We're right in the middle kind of in a transition and and it's I don't want to say it's a pivot. It's more of an expansion. And so one of the things I love helping women do in their businesses and I know you do as well is responding to the marketplace. So, you know, that's what business is. It's a conversation with the marketplace. You never set it and forget it. You're always iterating and changing and responding. And one of the things I've seen, Jenna, over the last probably two years, is I have a lot of women that come to the Business Boutique Conference that listen to the Business Boutique podcast that read the Business Boutique book, and they don't have businesses, and they don't want them. And I'm amazed by this, because I'm like, well, that is weird, because you know, the whole (laughs) brand is business. And so what are you doing? And what I'm finding is, So many women, you know, they'll, I used to, you know, meet people out and about and I'd say, Oh, what's your business? And the more that I started hearing this response, Oh, I don't have a business. I just really like learning from you. Oh, I don't have a business, but you've helped me reach goals. Oh, I don't have a business, but you've helped me overcome my fear. Oh, I don't have a business, but you've helped me, you know, advance in my career. And so I started really feeling this stirring in my spirit of maybe God is asking me to help women in more ways than just business. And so I'm really excited because this spring we're rolling out some things, in addition to Business Boutique, it's not going away, but we're just going to go into some spaces that are going to allow us to help women in more ways than just business. A lot of personal growth and, and development in that way. And I'm overcoming fear and life balance and reaching goals. And I mean, we know anyway, that it's not just business. It is personal. You don't have just a business life and a home life. You just have one life. And so often we have to help each other you know, in both areas to succeed in, in each of them. So I'm really excited to see what God is doing as we are responding to the market instead of women. It's almost like we have this table that is a table where we're talking about business and women are coming in saying, hey, can I pull up a chair here? I don't have a business. Instead, we're going to say, you know what, there's already a seat for you at this table. There's a spot for you and a place for you. And so I'm really excited about that.
0: Ooh that's so exciting. It's so fun to like evolve and watch that evolution and I just love all the different iterations that we can show up in in our lifetime and that we never have to box ourselves into a corner. That's so exciting. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks. I'm so excited too. Oh, so where can everybody connect with you, learn more about you, tune in, check you out, give us all the places.
1: Oh, yeah. So businessboutique.com is where all the things are now. And then on Instagram, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all the things, but Instagram is probably what I use the most, which is at Christy B. Wright.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like I get to check a little line item off on my bucket list for interviewing guests. And thank you for everything you put out into the world. It is just such an extension of who you are. And I think that you standing in your truth gives all these women, this like idea of what's possible for them, which I think is just incredible.
1: Jenna, I've been a fan for years. So seriously, just the model, we were talking about this even before we went live, but the model of women championing women, you're just a perfect example of that. And it's just so fun to be alongside you and and lock arms with you and, and hoping doing that for others. So thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: I feel like if you were just listening to that episode, you could have a million tweetable lines from Christy. She just preaches truth in a way that I haven't experienced in a very long time. I love how she made you feel ready to answer the call, to do more, to chase more, to go after your boldest dreams, and to also not feel alone in some of the feelings you're feeling. Like, you know, when somebody finally communicates those thoughts that you've been having in your head for the last week or month or year or even decade, and you suddenly feel like, whoa, it's not just me. Other people feel this way, too, and they push past it. I'm so grateful to have had this opportunity to have this conversation with Christy and every conversation we've ever featured on the Gold Digger podcast. I don't know if you guys know, but this show is my greatest honor and privilege. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. And if you have a quick second and you haven't yet, could you leave us a review? I know it sounds so small and insignificant and silly, but they truly do make a difference. And if anything, it's like a love note from you to me or from you to Christy for coming on the show. Seriously, just hit pause and leave a review. It only takes a few seconds. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of the podcast today. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast.